You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. We can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Cake Apocalypse, chapters 9 and 10, written by Mittenwraith. The rating is mature. Pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Canon Divergence Friends to Lovers Love Confessions Cake Angst and fluff and smut, but mostly fluff with a dash of crack. Chapter 9. Obstruction. Cass had been feeling slightly off-kilter all day. Granted, it hadn't started on the right foot, thanks to Gabriel and his meddling. At least it had all worked out in the end, and Dean hadn't objected to the familial scheduling changes. Even with his mood improved after Dean's reassurances, he'd still felt unsettled and a bit disconnected from reality. The overt propositions from their guest judge had thrown him almost as much as Gabriel's shenanigans had. His discomfort had even led him to rather selfishly pull Dean off set, away from his family, just so he could ground himself in reality for a few minutes. While he was grateful that Dean had understood, and even seemed to sympathize with his plight, he could also tell that something had been troubling Dean as well. It had all seemed like water under the bridge by the time the two of them went out for dinner together, but by the time he arrived home, the sense of heavy foreboding had settled over him again. It felt like there was something he needed to be doing, something incredibly important, but for the life of him he wasn't sure what it was. That feeling only intensified in his dreams. Cass woke up several times during the night, unable to completely recall his dreams other than that the first few involved a lot of confusing imagery of wings and fire and light, and that in the last he seemed to be sitting in Dean's bakery talking with Gabriel. Their conversation had made perfect sense to him within the dream, but on waking he only remembered feeling inexplicably reassured and encouraged. When he finally gave up on tossing and turning and got out of bed, Cass made the executive decision to do the unthinkable and take a day off work. It's not like he hadn't been running himself ragged for the last few weeks, spending long hours hammering out all of the production details and then sacrificing his weekends for the filming schedule. He could afford to have one day off just for himself. The world wouldn't fall apart without him in the office holding it all together. 
slept terribly, plagued by bizarre dreams he wasn't sure counted as nightmares. But considering the effect they'd had on him, they might as well have been. He awoke, dressed, and trudged to the kitchen for some coffee like the shambling dead, while surreal bits and pieces of leftover dreams rose up to poke at his subconscious before fading away again. Even worse, his headache was back. He grabbed his coffee and headed to work, Glimpses of Cass with tattered wings and a desolate hellscape of a world pushed out of his mind as he fought his way through early morning traffic. He tried to focus on the parts of the dream he could actually wrap his head around, and the vast majority of those had revolved around Cass. Dean only let himself feel weirdly guilty about having such intense and unsettling dreams about his friend for a split second before allowing himself to take comfort from what he felt was becoming a solid friendship in reality. Being in the kitchen, despite his earlier reticence, proved to be a balm. Dean internally credited his improved mood to Donna and Charlie's endless wells of positivity. But out loud, he told them it was impossible to stay pissy while surrounded by cake. In reality, it was a bit of both, in addition to the meditative comfort of routine. His routine was interrupted halfway through putting the finishing touches on a tray of cupcakes, when Garth stuck his head through the kitchen door to announce Dean had a visitor. Donna and Charlie braced themselves for Dean's standard outburst, yelling at Garth to have them schedule an appointment. But to everyone's surprise, Dean just calmly walked over to peek through the window in the swinging door. A smile grew across his face as Dean thanked Garth and pushed his way out into the shop. Hey, Cass, you playing hooky today? Hello, Dean. Cass replied, lifting his eyes from the case of pastries and smiling up at Dean. I took the day off. I hadn't had one since the week before we started filming, and I couldn't bear to face my desk again this morning. Dean returned his smile. I hear you, man. It's been a busy couple of weeks. At least my office doesn't have a desk. Well, sure it does, Dean, Garth said, and then paused and furrowed his brow. Oh, but you don't really sit at it much, I guess. Cass and Dean both snorted at Garth, and Dean asked him to get them a couple of cups of coffee. Coming right up, Garth replied cheerfully and puttered off. So, you used your day off to come rub it in my face? Dean teased. Cass looked horrified for a moment, and then noticed Dean was biting back a grin, and wasn't actually angry about it. I suppose I just enjoy your company, and the prospect of spending the entire day at the studio without your sparkling wit and charm seemed a rather bleak one, I'm afraid. Dean froze for a second, unsure if Cass had actually meant it, or if he was simply returning the joking barb he'd lobbed at Cass. Cass picked up on the tension in Dean's stiffened posture and worked out where he'd gone wrong. Garth brought over two mugs of coffee and set them down in front of Dean without another word, rushing off to attend to a customer who'd entered the shop just in time to give Garth an excuse to escape the cone of awkwardness that had descended around Dean and Cass. 
Dean picked up the mugs and tilted his head towards the table at the back of the shop that was mostly reserved for employee breaks. Customers rarely hung around long enough to make use of the tables anyway, but this one in particular was tucked away against the back wall of the shop between the kitchen, a large pastry display case, and the bathrooms. Not exactly prime real estate for impressing customers with. The upside was that they had at least the illusion of privacy now. Can I get you something to eat? Dean asked, setting down their mugs while Cass took a seat. A donut or maybe a croissant. They're fresh out of the oven. Maybe later, Cass replied, looking up at Dean and nervously lifting his mug to take a sip. Dean grunted and pulled out the chair across from Cass, taking momentary refuge in his own coffee. I meant what I said, Dean. It wasn't sarcasm. Cass said after a few tense moments. I didn't sleep well last night, and the thought of being chained to my desk today was supremely unappealing. I decided I needed to get out of the house before those walls started closing in on me as well, and I guess I just ended up here. The longer Cass talked, the more Dean felt at ease. Cass clearly noticed it too, and by the end he was flushed, fidgeting with his mug handle, and barely able to look at Dean in the face. I'm sorry if I gave you the impression I wasn't sincere. Dean grunted again and took another fortifying gulp of coffee. No, it's fine, Cass. I'm just not used to people saying that kind of shit to me and actually meaning it, I guess. Cass frowned at that. I can't imagine why, Dean. You're one of the most enjoyable people I know. Your family feels the same, as does the entire crew at the studio. I'm sure your employees would agree as well. Yeah, well, I sign their paychecks. Makes it easy to like me. Dean. Cass replied, his tone scolding. Stop selling yourself short. So, Dean said, trying to change the subject. You just accidentally showed up at the bakery for a visit? Cass shrugged. It wasn't entirely accidental. I may have been driving in this general direction for the last hour, debating whether or not it would be appropriate to just drop in like this. Dean snorted. For the record, I'm glad you decided to drop in. Me too, Cass replied. Dean did manage to talk him into having that croissant, along with a second cup of coffee. But eventually, he needed to get back to work. He'd regretfully informed Cass that cakes don't bake themselves. Cass tried to disguise his disappointment, but Dean wasn't fooled. He spent the morning feeling just as adrift as Cass looked now, and Dean wasn't about to deny the fact that just having Cass visit had been exactly what he'd needed to lift his own mood. It was only a little worrying that Cass already had that sort of pull on him. Mostly, it just made him feel happy. Cass slowly stood up and pushed in his chair while Dean sat and watched, frowning. Dean didn't have any casual words for this. As reluctant as Cass seemed to be to leave, Dean was equally reluctant to let him go. Cass cast a glance at the door over his shoulder and then gave Dean a resigned little smile. It gave Dean the brilliant, not completely desperate, idea to invite Cass back to the kitchen to put him to work. Donna and Charlie welcomed a perplexed yet enthusiastic Cass into their domain and set him to work rolling out and cutting cookie dough. They may not have gotten quite as much done as usual, 
but they all had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. When Garth came through the kitchen to clock out after closing up the storefront, Dean did a double-take. How the hell is it already past six? Time flies when you're having fun, Donna suggested, setting the leftover icing from the last batch of cookies in the fridge. We need to have Cass help out more often, then, Charlie replied with a grin. I really enjoyed myself today, Cass said. Thanks to all of you for your patience with me. Dean elbowed him and grinned. You're probably better qualified than most of our contestants now. Cass laughed at that, but Dean was completely serious. Without another word, they tidied up the kitchen and closed down for the night. By mutual agreement, the four of them went for dinner at the diner down the road. It was nothing fancy, just burgers and fries. But a day that had started with an air of gloom and doom had been infinitely redeemed. The rest of the week passed quickly for both Cass and Dean. Cass surprised him again on Thursday, just as Dean was coming to the end of a very long day prepping for the weekend's dozen weddings, a baby shower, and a 50th anniversary party. The last thing he wanted to do after a 12-hour shift was think about cooking dinner for himself. So when Cass arrived with a bag full of pad thai and tom yum soup, Dean had been more than happy to invite him in. They sat at their little table at the back of the shop until Dean finally gave in to exhaustion. I'm really sorry I'm not living up to my standard. What was it? Sparkling wit and charm, Dean said around another yawn. It's been a long damn day. I know, Dean, Cass replied, and I know you have another long day ahead of you tomorrow. I didn't mean to keep you so late. Dean finished locking the door to the shop and turned to rest a comforting hand on Cass's shoulder. Dude, you're more than welcome to keep me late with Thai food anytime the urge strikes you. They stood there, smiling at one another, for a few beats longer than common courtesy dictated, and Dean didn't even try to stop himself from telling Cass how he felt. Maybe it was exhaustion, maybe combined with the satisfaction of a full belly, and maybe it was just a side effect of spending time with Cass, but it felt wrong to keep the truth from him. You know that stuff you said the other morning? I've kind of been feeling the same, actually. I like it when you're around. Kind of makes everything better, you know. The smile Cass gave him was worth it. I'm glad you feel that way, Dean. He'd been about to say something else when Dean yawned again and then shook his head. I'm sorry, Dean. I should let you go home so you can rest. I'll see you on Sunday morning. Yeah, okay, Dean replied. And looked for a split second like Cass was considering giving him a hug or maybe even a kiss. But instead, he just gave Dean an awkward little wave and shuffled off to his car. See you, Cass.
Saturday afternoon again prompted a round of emails from Cass about their two final episodes. The emails prompted a round of texting, which in turn prompted a round of phone calls. Their conversation flowed easily. But it also had the secondary effect of pushing back the increasingly vivid and frankly terrifying dreams that Dean had been having. They'd continued to haunt him during the day, except when he was talking to Cass. He'd nearly forget them entirely, aside from the strange feeling that rose up once in a while to remind him of Cass's featured role in those dreams. The haunting feeling was usually banished back to insignificance within seconds, and easily forgotten again until they finally wished one another good night. Sunday morning brought Cass yet another round of Gabriel's meddling. It hadn't been obvious when he'd first read over the daily schedule and roster of contestants, at least not in the way seen Sam Winchester's name had. Cass had no reason to confront Gabriel, and even worse, he'd had no reason to think he'd needed to prepare Dean for the three people who were about to walk onto set. He introduced the day's guest judge to Dean over cupcakes and coffee. Dean and Rowena had been discussing the uncanny similarity between the floral theme of the cupcakes Dean had brought in for the crew that morning and the cake she'd made for the second-round challenge when a strange voice called out across the studio, startling Cass out of his amusement. Dean? Dean Winchester, is that you? The woman had been following Alex to the green room, but detoured over to them when she'd spotted Dean. Lisa, what are you doing here? Dean asked, frowning. Baking, Lisa replied. Or trying to, at any rate. Don't tell me you're involved with the show. Dean's our expert judge, Cass replied, now frowning between Dean and Lisa. Do you know each other? Rowena didn't object to the lack of an introduction, savoring the intrigue in her cupcake instead. Dean cleared his throat and threw a slightly helpless glance toward Cass. Yeah, um, we actually dated for a while, Dean replied. Years ago. So, um, how have you been? Really good. Ben's in college now, playing baseball still. That's great. I guess you're doing well, too, from the looks of it, she replied, waving a hand vaguely around at the set. Alex came over and saved them any further awkwardness by clearing her throat and getting Lisa's attention. Yeah, I guess I need to go get ready or whatever. Yeah, good luck. Thanks, Dean. She smiled and let herself be led away to Dean's relief. What the hell? Dean said to Cass. I haven't seen her in like six or seven years. I had no idea you knew one another or I would have let you know in advance, Cass replied. It's uncanny. Cass's words trailed off as he noticed Gabriel attempting to sneak Sam Winchester into the studio. That was Gabriel's first mistake. It's impossible to sneak anyone as large and conspicuous as Sam Winchester anywhere. Dean followed the line of Castiel's frown and spotted Sam, too. 
For Sam's part, he gave them a contrite little wave before hurrying away after Gabriel. Cass's frown intensified into a suspicious glare. Gabriel's up to something, he said, and Dean snorted. Yeah, like that's a surprise. You know him as well? Rowena asked, finally unable to contain her curiosity. Is that giant of a man another contestant? He's my brother, Dean replied, and he's already been a contestant. Gabriel hauled in my entire family as a surprise last weekend. Shame, Rowena replied. He'd make for something nice to look at, even if he can't cook. The next surprise through the studio door was Dean's friend, Joe. He informed Cass that they hadn't seen each other in a while, and that they had had a couple of awkward dates more than a decade ago before deciding to remain friends. Cass had been just about to storm off to give Gabriel a piece of his mind when the final contestant arrived. The first serious girlfriend Dean ever had nearly 15 years earlier, Cassie Robinson. Well, isn't this just cozy? Rowena replied, sipping a cup of tea and looking as if her entire day had improved tenfold. Cass excused himself to hunt down Gabriel, leaving Dean to make small talk with Rowena. She was no longer interested in discussing cake, now that it was clear that Dean's dating history would be playing a starring role in the day's proceedings. He confirmed that none of his exes had any real talent for baking, and was saved from any deeper inquiry into his personal life when Sam wandered over looking rather more grim than he had before. "'Were you in on this?' Dean asked as soon as Sam was in earshot. Sam held up both hands in self-defense and stopped just out of punching range. "'No, I swear. Gabriel called me last night and invited me to come by today. He told me I'd find it interesting, but wouldn't tell me why. I figured you might need to have your lawyer present, and it looks like I was right about that. What the hell, Dean?' "'It's like a soap opera, isn't it?' Rowena piped in, holding out a hand and taking a few steps toward Sam. "'Rowena McLeod.' It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Samuel. Sam shook her hand, gave her a polite smile, and then shook his head as he went right back to his analysis of Dean's situation. On the upside, your three exes seem to think it's hilarious. They're back there in makeup having a great time together. Rowena shot Dean an impressed look. Well, that says something about the character of the women you've guarded. Or at least the women Gabriel managed to dig up and convince to bake on television. She's right, Dean, Sam agreed. This could have been a lot worse. Dean grunted at that, thinking back over his long and not entirely stellar dating history. He left Sam and Rowena chatting together, which was probably a mistake, and went in search of Cass and Gabriel. It was pretty clear that Gabriel was fucking with him now. Like last week with his family... It was probably too late to do anything about it. But at the very least, he needed to clear a few ground rules with his co-host. They only had one more episode to film, but Dean needed to know if Gabriel was already planning to use it to up the ante on him again. When he said it could have been worse, it really could have been a hell of a lot worse. He checked the green room, all over the set, even Cass's office, but had no luck tracking them down before Jody called for everyone to take their places. Gabriel snuck in from the other side of the set and took his place at Dean's side right as Jody called action. Unable to chew him out with the cameras rolling, Dean settled for glaring daggers in Gabriel's direction as he cheerfully recorded the intro segment. 
To Dean's relief, Sam had been right about how well Lisa, Cassie, and Joe had gotten along. His fears that the show would somehow either turn into a sort of cold war of hostility or else devolve into a public service announcement about why nobody should ever date Dean Winchester proved unfounded. Despite their complicated history, the three women gave themselves over to the spirit of the show, determined to enjoy themselves and do their best. The first challenge left Dean rolling his eyes at everyone, as Rowena opened the cupboard on three small cakes, decorated to look like couples enjoying a romantic soak in tiny fondant hot tubs. It didn't help when Rowena described the little confectionery lovers as honeymooners, but even Dean began to get into the spirit of her teasing eventually. It wasn't until the first challenge had begun that Dean spotted Cass, looking far more harried than he had before and talking quietly and urgently with Sam. Dean frowned over at them until Sam caught him looking and tried to give him a reassuring thumbs up. Dean just shook his head and focused his attention on the baking, and on keeping Rowena on his side since it was clear Gabriel was out to get him. The first challenge went by quickly, and before he knew it, Jody was calling cut and Dean was sprinting over to where Cass waited nervously with a cup of coffee for him. Before Cass had a chance to say anything, Dean did what he could to soothe his apparent anxiety. Yes, I'm pissed at Gabriel, but I'm over it. The episode's going really well, and most important, I'm not blaming you for it. Dean said in a rush before taking a careful sip of his precious coffee. I told you, Cass, Sam said, and Gabriel swore to me he's done screwing around with you, Dean. Dean snorted. Yeah, for what his word's worth. Thank you, Dean. Cass said, I don't know what he was thinking, and I'm glad it turned out as well as it has. He added, glancing over at Lisa, Cassie, and Joe chatting happily together while Jack and Claire arranged the set for the judging segment. He didn't only put you on the spot, he also put my position with the network at risk. If this had blown up in his face, it would have surely been bad for me. I authorized this entire production, and it's my reputation on the line as a producer. Dean was a bit taken aback by that reminder, and mentally kicked himself for having been so wrapped up in his own personal issues that he hadn't even considered Cass's predicament. This whole baking show was just a lark for Dean, but Cass's entire career was on the line here. Yeah, I'm going to have a talk with him about that, Dean said, glancing over his shoulder to see everyone in position to begin filming again. He downed the rest of his coffee and turned back to Cass, laying one hand on his shoulder and looking him in the eye. In fact, we should corner him over lunch. Cass smiled and nodded at that, taking Dean's empty cup as he jogged to his mark. Jody called action and the show was on. Lisa chose to use white jelly beans to make the bubbles atop her cake, and Dean thought the little fondant dude looked a little too much like him for comfort. The fact that he was all snuggled up to the little fondant chick that bore a striking resemblance to Lisa only added to the creepy feeling. The chocolate cake inside was layered with peach jam, which combined with the coconut flavor of the jelly beans and the dark cocoa of the cake made for a confusing taste journey. When Rowena questioned the palate she'd chosen, Lisa replied that Dean had baked her a cake with peaches once, and she remembered how much she'd loved it. Yeah, that was a... Peach and bourbon pound cake, I think, Dean replied, trying to remember things he'd baked years ago. Or was it the vanilla cake with the peach compote? Lisa looked a bit embarrassed and shrugged. 
I just remember it was peach-flavored and delicious. Joe's cake looked a little rough around the edges, where she'd had a difficult time getting the sides of the hot tub to stand up. At least, neither of the two little fondant people looked anything like him, and she shot Dean a satisfied and knowing smile when he commented on the fact that both figures were women. Gabriel was about to clear his throat and likely make an inappropriate comment, so Dean elbowed him. Despite its shaky appearance, Joe's cake tasted good with layers of vanilla and orange cream and a hint of cinnamon spiciness. Rowena complimented the flavors, giving Joe the once-over, but Joe just smiled serenely back at her. Cassie's cake was a near duplicate of the original, right down to the bubbles. Despite that, she still looked unsure of herself as the three judges tasted her creation. The strawberry shortcake filling laced through with chocolate was a hit with all of them. Gabriel declared it appropriately decadent for a honeymoon and crowned her the winner of round one as Jack bumbled over with the prize cart. The moment Jody called cut and announced the lunch break, Dean grabbed Gabriel's arm so he couldn't escape. He smiled at Rowena and excused himself and Gabriel, ushering the man without complaint to Cass already waiting by the studio door. I took the liberty of having lunch sent to my office. Cass informed them as Dean marched Gabriel along behind him. Dean and I would like to clear the air with you. The three of them sat around Cass's desk, Gabriel cheerfully digging into his lunch while Dean and Cass exchanged a look of dark agreement and turned their attention to Gabe. I don't know what you're trying to pull, Gabriel, but it needs to stop. Cass began. Do you bear some grudge against Dean that I should be aware of? Gabriel looked up from his food, mock horror plastered across his face. Dean? Hell no. I love the guy. Funny way of showing it, Dean replied. If this has gone to shit, how do you think it would have looked for Cass, you ass? Did you even think about that? Gabriel's mock horror melted into something more contrite. I, uh, guess I hadn't thought of that. But I knew it would work out. You think I can't read people well enough to know how far I can push them? I built my entire career on it. Cass rubbed his eyes with one hand in exasperation. I pulled a lot of strings to make this show happen for you, Gabriel. I just want to make sure you understand the gravity of the situation you've put me in here. Dude, Gabriel replied, looking a little offended. If you only knew what it cost on my end, you'd know I'm not about to fuck this up. The fate of my whole world rests on this going according to plan. Gabriel shut his mouth and frowned for a second, as if he'd said something he shouldn't have, and then shook his head. Look, Cass, this is important to me, too. I wish you had a little bit of trust in me, man. I'm not going to fuck this up, okay? Just look what we got so far today. This is going to be our best episode yet, and Dean's coming off looking like the sweetest bastard ever to woo a woman. Have you seen those three out there? Knockouts with hearts of gold and personalities to match. Mature, intelligent, independent women who don't bear Dean any ill will despite their histories. Because that's the kind of guy Dean is. Do you get it yet? Gabriel leveled an intense look at Cass, which Cass returned with interest. Dean sat and watched their silent exchange until Cass finally blinked and waved a hand at Gabriel. Fine, Gabriel. Cass said, rubbing his eye like he was massaging away a phantom headache. Just give me a little warning if you intend to pull any additional stunts. 
We only have one more day of filming, and I'd like to avoid any potential last-minute disasters. Gabriel winked at him and grinned. You got it, cuz. No disasters without fair warning. That's not what I... Cass started, but Gabriel was already walking out the door. Cass leaned back in his chair and sighed. I think that's the best we're likely to get from him. If I were you, I'd assume that tomorrow will entail some escalation of Gabriel's antics. Dean nodded slowly. Yeah, but he's not wrong either. This is like the opposite of a disaster, and so was having my family on. I kind of hate myself for even thinking it, but maybe the guy actually does know what the fuck he's doing. Cass laughed at that, and then the two of them set to quickly finishing their lunch before hurrying back to the studio. The soundstage had been reset for round two, and when Dean and Cass walked in, it was to find Jody casually chatting and laughing with the three contestants. It was a surreal sight on at least four different levels, not the least of which was Jody, the consummate professional, being casually social while on the clock. But Dean let it go with a shiver as Cass gave him a reassuring pat on the back. Round two opened with Rowena apologizing for taking the theme of the day, weddings and honeymoons, out of order, revealing a fairy castle-themed wedding cake to follow up the first round's honeymoon cakes. The three contestants oohed and awed until Gabriel gave them three hours to duplicate it for the judges. Then the typical challenge panic set in. The three contestants unilaterally decided to forego fancy flavor in their base cakes, to better focus on the architectural engineering of the final display. The judges made a few comments about not looking forward to three identical vanilla-on-vanilla flavor profiles, but all agreed the final products would at least stand a chance of looking good, which was kind of the point. Dean, for one, was impressed by how dedicated all three of his exes were to producing the best possible cake they could. None of them were treating this like a joke or complaining about the work or letting any minor setbacks get them down. It was honestly inspiring, and reminded Dean why he'd been so attracted to each of them in the first place. Things may not have worked out with any of them romantically, but he was grateful that any of these incredible women had shared even a small portion of their lives with him. At about the two-hour mark, watching Rowena answer Joe's panic button call for professional intervention to stabilize the castle atop her cake, Dean had excused himself from set for a bit while Lisa and Cassie both shouted encouragement to Joe. He wasn't hiding, per se, but he didn't need the cameras capturing this unmanly display of emotion either. Coffee was sure to do the trick, or at least give him a reason to hide in the shadows for a few minutes. Sam had been standing with Cass by the coffee pot when Dean suddenly got up from the judges' table, but he whispered something to Cass and hurried off in the direction of the men's room the moment he caught sight of his brother headed their way. An almost unconscious wave of relief spread through Dean, and he decided in that moment he wouldn't taunt Sam over his outrageous flirting he'd been exchanging with Rowena all day. 
Cass handed him a cup of coffee and smiled nervously. It looks like we might owe Gabriel an apology. Dean sipped his coffee a little too fast and coughed, hoping that nearly choking on the hot liquid would be enough to justify the flush on his cheeks and the moisture welling up in his eyes. Yeah, I guess so, at least for today. I'm not extending him any credit for whatever shit he's got planned for tomorrow. I can hardly imagine you have any dark, terrible secrets in your closet, Cass started, and again Dean nearly choked on his coffee. Cass gave him a curious look and went on. After meeting your family, your employees, and the women in your past, I think it says a lot about your character in general. Yeah, well, some of us got deep closets, Dean muttered in reply. Cass frowned at that. Dean... If there's anything in your past that you are truly not comfortable about airing, please know that I will take your side. Even if we have to reschedule filming, I won't force you to participate in an episode that you have any personal objection to. It was Dean's turn to frown at that. Even if it screws you over with the network? Cash shrugged. I'm the one who convinced you to sign the contract, Dean. You trusted me enough to step outside your comfort zone and you've more than fulfilled your end of this bargain. I refuse to allow Gabriel to use that trust against you. I wanted you to know that. Cass had said it with a resolute finality. Dean didn't doubt he meant every word of it either. Maybe it was just the emotional overload, but something in that moment sparked another jarring sensory episode. For a brief moment, Cass seemed to glow with some sort of holy fire from within and Dean would have sworn that he could see shadows of two mangled wings rising up behind him again. Dean blinked that vision away as he recalled their very first filming session weeks ago at his bakery, viscerally recalling the way he'd shut down completely when Cass's questions had become too personal. Dean wondered if Cass was recalling that same day and making his declaration to defend Dean's right to keep his personal life personal. Thanks, Cass, Dean replied quietly allowing himself to finally settle into the comfort he'd become accustomed to finding at Cass's side. But as much as you're trying to protect me, I'm going to try to protect you too. I signed that contract knowing I'd be working with Gabriel. I figured at some point I'd be the target of one of his pranks, you know. There's stuff in my past I'm not proud of, but I don't think you'd pull any of that out during the finale just to fuck with me. If there's one thing I've learned about Gabriel is that he sees shit through to the end. This whole damn show was his idea, and I don't think he'd tank it at the last minute just for kicks. Cass considered Dean thoughtfully for a few moments and then nodded. I believe you're right, but my offer still stands. Dean smiled and laid a hand on Cass's shoulder. He had to clench his teeth to restrain the urge to give Cass a hug, or worse. But this was not the time to make romantic declarations or marriage proposals. You're a keeper, Cass. Don't ever let anyone tell you different. In the shadows of the set lights, Dean could have sworn he'd seen Cass blush as he gulped down the rest of his coffee and headed back to his chair. If Dean wasn't careful, he'd end up embarrassing himself in front of the entire crew, three of his ex-girlfriends, and possibly a national television audience. He held on to the knowledge that he only had one more day of filming before he could corner Cass without the specter of his contract standing in his way of asking the guy out for real. Because he wasn't sure he'd ever wanted anything more. 
As the clock ticked down on the current challenge, Dean's thoughts strayed through a hundred different scenarios he'd lived through with each of the contestants. Wondering if things would have gone differently if he'd have lived through them with Cass instead. His first awkward meeting with Cassie where he'd practically knocked her down as she hurried to class and he hurried to work. The apology coffee he'd bought her that had made them both late, but it also kindled the first real relationship either of them had ever had. Meeting Joe at her mother's bar and flirt-fighting with her for years, before finally testing the waters and taking her out to dinner, only to decide after the second date that neither of them could take each other seriously enough for any sort of romance to develop. And Lisa, who'd opened her life to him along with her son, welcoming him into a picture of domestic bliss he'd tried his level best to fit himself into. One of the hardest things he'd ever had to admit to himself was that he loved the idea of Lisa more than he could ever love her, not to mention that life he'd always thought he was supposed to want but hadn't fit him well at all, and they decided to go their separate ways. But how would any of that have turned out differently if it had been cast by his side all along? Dean managed to throw out an occasional comment for the cameras and paid attention enough to respond to Rowena and Gabriel's conversation, but he found himself stealing more glances at Cass than was strictly appropriate. He almost didn't care anymore if anyone else noticed, even when Sam caught him looking. The final break of the day for the crew to set up for round two judging was a blessed relief. Dean excused himself, hurried over to tell Cass that he'd be back in a few minutes, and dashed out of the studio and down the hall to the men's room to have a few minutes to himself. He leaned over the sink, resting both hands on the edges of the basin, and studied himself in the mirror. It was still him looking back, but he almost didn't recognize himself. The version of himself in the mirror looked dangerously close to... happy. Dean barked out a laugh at that sudden, simple revelation and bent over to splash cold water on his face. He stopped himself from actually doing it, knowing Jody would send him back to makeup to get his nose powdered again, and laughed even harder at himself. He returned to set to find everyone patiently waiting for him. Cass stopped him to make sure he was feeling okay, and Dean assured him that he felt fantastic with a pat on the back and a big smile. He walked back to his chair, clapping his hands once and then rubbing them together. Let's get this show on the road. Cassie was declared the winner after a debate wherein Gabriel and Rowena disregarded every bit of input that Dean offered, and their comedic deliberations had the entire studio on the verge of hysterics. Cass swooped in with his customary paperwork, and as they signed the forms and left the studio, Dean thanked and congratulated each of his exes in turn. They thanked him for the fantastic experience, and for waiting around to see them off. Dean let each of them think that it had been his sole motivation for sticking around. He'd also stuck around after Cassie left, despite her dropping several hints that she wouldn't mind going out for some celebratory drinks with Dean. Flattered as he was, he knew their relationship had ended for a reason. And much as he might enjoy her company as a friend, he had bigger plans for what he hoped his future could hold. So he saw her to the door and then accompanied Cass to complete the ritual of delivering the signed documents to his office. So I was going to swing by this place near my apartment for dinner, Dean said as he and Cass left the office. They make these fucking ridiculous sandwiches you need a bigger mouth to eat. That sounds both alarming and intriguing, Cass replied. 
If they also serve milkshakes, count me in. Dean grinned at him, threw an arm around Cass's shoulders, and cheerfully led the way. Once again, the two of them lost track of time, sitting in a quiet little sandwich shop on the beach until the owner threw them out when he closed up at nine o'clock. As Dean walked Cass back to his car, parked a few blocks away in the lot at Dean's building, conversation turned to reminiscing over the last month or so they'd gotten to know one another. They talked about the show, about the last day of filming bringing an end to an entire whirlwind of an experience for both of them. Dean had resisted the whole idea of it at first, but now that the show was almost over, he realized just how much he was going to miss it. All of it, really, but most especially Cass. He was roused from that wistful train of thought with the revelation that Cass had been thinking the very same thing. I'm going to miss our spontaneous evenings out, Cass said with a sigh. Most nights I don't do anything more exciting than microwave a dinner for one and watch whatever happens to be on television. You've provided superior conversation and culinary variety. Dean tried to hide his pleasure at that by staring down at his feet as he walked. It's not like my life is that much different than yours, Cass. Most nights I'm sitting up there eating mac and cheese and watching a game until I pass out. But you do make excellent mac and cheese, Cass countered. Yeah, but my sparkling wit and charm, or whatever, just goes unappreciated, Dean replied with a smirk. Cass laughed and shook his head. I'll always appreciate you, Dean. You're more than welcome to call me any time for reassurance. Dean felt a flush of warmth rush through him at those words, his breath hitching in his throat. It was all too tempting to tell Cass he'd take him up on that offer, to tell him how much he wanted to keep seeing him like this, to just confess his feelings and lay himself bare for Cass. One more day, he repeated like a mantra. He could survive one more day, take Cass out for a celebratory dinner after the final shoot and do this properly. He was almost entirely sure Cass would accept, but he'd already waited this long. What was one more day? As they were saying goodnight beside Cass's car, Dean took one little risk and pulled Cass in for a hug. He had to suffer through a split second of panic that he'd read this whole situation wrong until Cass sighed and wrapped his arms around Dean. They pulled apart before it could become more awkward, or Dean gave in to even more impulsive urges but their hands lingered for just a moment. Thanks, Cass, for everything. No, thank you, Dean. I'll see you in the morning. Dean waved as Cass pulled away and then trudged up to his empty apartment alone. Chapter 10. Pickle Dean's nightmares had evolved into his very own personal horror show. He woke up screaming twice in three hours, and gave up on sleep in a fit of cold sweats and uncontrollable shaking. The dreams were both vivid and horrifically memorable, filled with imagery he'd rather forget. He'd been trapped inside his body, unable to control it, while his hands carried out atrocities he was forced to watch and yet powerless to stop. Cass had been there, too, throwing himself in Dean's path over and over again, pleading with him to stop as Dean tried to scream warnings at him, 
but sickening, mocking laughter had been the only sound to come out of his mouth. Dean watched in horror as his body lashed out at Cass while he fought to regain control. The worst of it all wasn't the agony of what he did, but the absolute certainty that he could feel Cass's pain, and not just physical pain as Dean's hand slammed into him. There was that, of course, but there was also the torrent of emotional anguish, as if Dean could feel Cass's heartbreak right alongside his own. The cherry on top of all of it was the conviction that, despite all of this, he could feel Cass aching for him, longing even, as if nothing else mattered to him than somehow freeing Dean with no concern for his own fate. Dean showered and dressed, waiting impatiently for his coffee to brew before heading to his bakery at four in the morning. He set about mindlessly making cannolis just for something to keep himself occupied. By the time Donna and Charlie arrived, he'd made six dozen of them. Across town, Cass hadn't been having much luck with sleep either. He'd dreamt that he'd been chasing after Dean for weeks, through a heart-pounding and pervasive feeling that he had to save Dean that something was terribly, possibly irreparably wrong. No matter how hard he searched, he'd never been able to find Dean, and he kept waking up feeling panicky and unfulfilled. Once again, his last dream of the night was a long, uncharacteristically quiet conversation with Gabriel. This time they sat together at the battered wooden table in a strange library that felt inexplicably familiar and comfortable and the only thing Cass remembered about their conversation was Gabriel assuring him that he'd have no memory of it when he woke up. It had seemed a strange thing to take comfort from, but nevertheless, Cass awoke feeling more hopeful and confident. Dean arrived at the studio with a few dozen cannolis within moments of the final day's guest judge. He recognized her from the website Cass had shown him at dinner the night before and walked over to see if she needed any help. Hey, she said by way of greeting, her hands occupied with a large cake box. It's Billy, right? She nodded, giving Dean a once-over while patiently waiting for him to continue. Dean introduced himself, offered her a cannoli, and told her to wait there for just a minute while he ran inside and wrangled one of Jack's rolling carts. He dumped his cannolis into Cass's hands with a wink and raced back outside to help Billy bring in her cakes. That was one delicious cannoli, she said when he returned. I'm going to want that recipe. Consider it yours, then, Dean replied. 
Back inside, Billy met with Jody and Alex to set up her displays while Dean finally found Cass setting out his pastry boxes on the craft services table. A few curious crew members who'd grown accustomed to Dean's daily treats had begun to circle, so Dean grabbed a coffee and drew Cass aside. It's like watching a pack of vultures descending on a zebra carcass, Dean commented with a nod to the scavenging horde. Cass elbowed him and continued to appreciatively devour his chocolate-striped cannoli. I have to compliment them on their taste. This is the best zebra carcass I've ever had. Dean laughed at that, and the two of them headed off toward the makeup chairs. Cass stood by and watched Dean endure the treatment, and then waited again for Dean to recover from being grumpy about being a painted whore, before slowly working the conversation around to the final episode's contestant list. Gabriel has informed me that he's hand-selected the three challengers again today, but infuriatingly, he refuses to give me their names yet. Dean just shrugged. I ain't worried. I got you to stand up for me he said, grinning contentedly at Cass as they walked back to set. The two of them spent a few pleasant and relaxing minutes chatting with Billy and exchanging cannoli recipes before Gabriel dared to show his face in the studio. He only stuck around long enough to snag Patience and one of the makeup artists before scurrying off to wherever he'd apparently stashed the day's contestants. Patience gave them a worried glance before following after her boss with a spare cannoli to shove in his mouth should the need arise. Dean and Billy had made themselves comfortable at the judges' table, and Jody was beginning to panic that they had no host and no contestants with five minutes left to go before the cameras were scheduled to roll. Patience returned to the studio and carried out a hushed and urgent conversation with Cass before Cass threw a not particularly reassuring frown in Dean's direction, and the two of them left together in a rush. Dean studied them intently, but despite straining to overhear, he had no idea what fresh hell Gabriel had conjured up. Gabriel strolled in with just two minutes to spare with a glint in his eye that Dean had learned not to trust in the least. He took his place on his mark and gave Jody what was supposed to be a reassuring wink that everything was ready to go. Without any alternative, Jody took him at his word and shouted action. Dean glanced around in hopes of getting some silent signal of reassurance from Cass, but he was nowhere to be seen. He had one flash of horror that maybe Gabriel had tied him up and shoved him in a closet somewhere before he spotted Cass leading two unsettlingly familiar faces into the studio. Dean let the reality of Gabriel's game settle in and wondered where the third contestant was hiding until he noticed the look on Cass's face. Two men from Dean's past stood on either side of Cass, wearing their aprons embroidered with the Cakepocalypse logo. Crowley's was appropriately red, seeing as how Dean figured the guy fashioned himself as the devil, while Aaron's was green. Between them, Cass wore a deep glower that Dean suspected had a potential as a weapon of mass destruction and a cheerful blue apron that brought out the color of his eyes. Dean was at a complete loss for words, and was grateful he wasn't expected to actually say anything coherent while Gabriel handled all the introductions. As one of the most in-demand wedding planners in the country, Crowley knows what goes into a great cake, but does he know how to assemble it all himself? Gabriel asked as Crowley strolled to his mark with a confident smirk. Dean groaned, having known the man for years. 
At the beginning of their professional relationship, they'd had a mildly embarrassing fling that they'd been able to put in their past to continue working together. Crowley still savored any opportunity to bring it up, and Dean often wondered if the man still harbored feelings for him. Given the leer Crowley leveled at him now, Dean had to assume that at least one of those feelings was probably lust. This was not going to be a good day for Dean Winchester. Aaron is a research librarian, but have any of his studies extended into the world of pastry? Gabriel asked next, turning to Dean with a slyly raised eyebrow. Dean rubbed at his temple and squeezed his eyes shut for a moment. Yeah, Aaron's studies extended into the world of pastry, but as far as Dean knew, that ended at the point Aaron had asked him out in a fit of rapture over a maple bacon donut. Dean had accepted, and they'd ended up at a bar where they realized that mutual love of bacon wasn't enough to found a relationship on. They had remained friends, and Aaron was still a loyal customer of the bakery. And last, but definitely not least, Castiel. Full disclosure, he's my cousin, and as our executive producer, he's the reason we've been able to make this show in the first place. He's watched us film five episodes, and sources tell me he's been spending an awful lot of his free time in the company of my co-host here, Gabriel said, hooking a thumb in Dean's direction. But is it possible to learn the fine art of baking by osmosis? Cass rolled his eyes and stepped up to his mark beside Crowley and Aaron. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our very special guest judge, Billy. She's made a name for herself at Sweet Surrender Bakery, with delicious treats that are to die for. And today she's brought two of the most decadent challenges we've had yet. So let's take a look at what we're all in for today. Claire followed the judges with one camera while Kaya kept the other trained on the three contestants as they all walked over to the first cupboard. Gabriel seated the floor to Billy, and she opened the doors to reveal a positively sinful-looking chocolate cake. There were several gasps from the crew who were just seeing it for the first time. Death, Billy said, turning a raised eyebrow on the three contestants. We've all heard of death by chocolate. There's as many variations on this classic recipe as there's people who've baked one. But for today's first challenge, I'd like to see your personal versions. If Dean hadn't spent the last half hour chatting politely with Billy, he probably would have heard that challenge as a threat. Gabriel chuckled at the contestants' stunned faces, and Dean figured the threat had landed appropriately. Okay, bakers, you heard the lady, Gabriel said, rubbing his hands together. Your deadline is two hours from now. You better start making your final arrangements. As the contestants scrambled toward the pantry to gather what they needed to bake, Aaron shouted out, Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. To which Dean replied with a shouted, None of you are actually Sicilian. Crowley muttered something about having a whole warehouse of Iocane powder in Belize anyway and the entire studio erupted in a fit of giggles. Dean shook his head. That's why he still consented to do business with that demon. It was probably also why he was one of the most sought-after wedding planners in the state. Crowley could charm anyone into anything, and leave them glad for having signed away their souls in exchange for a picture-perfect wedding. Two hours was admittedly not nearly enough time to craft a true death by chocolate, 
but by the time the clock ran down to zero and the buzzer sounded in the studio, Dean was impressed by what he'd seen of all three cakes. For the first time, Dean didn't rush off the set the moment Jody called cut. Cass finally blinked up at him from his place in Kitchen 3 and grinned when Dean gave him a hearty thumbs up. Dean also finally got to watch the entire transformation of the kitchen between rounds, the crew cleaning up at breakneck speed and setting up all three cakes for judging. Cass kept shooting him nervous glances and wringing his hands, and Dean had to bite his lip to keep from laughing. He knew if the situation was reversed, he'd be going out of his mind waiting for Cass to pass judgment on him. Luckily, Jody called everyone to their places before Cass had too much time to dwell on his fears. By the time Jody called action again, Dean realized he hadn't even noticed what Crowley and Aaron had been up to during the break. His entire focus had been on Cass. So, you've all been plotting our death, by chocolate, Gabriel began as the three judges gathered around Crowley's cake. Let's see if you've managed to pull it off. Crowley's cake certainly looked deadly, covered with a dark chocolate ganache and dark chocolate shavings. He cut a piece for the judges to sample, and Gabriel waved a hand for Jack to bring over a bottle of whiskey to wash it down. Jack complied, bringing three plastic cups to share it out with between the judges. Gabriel poured them each a hefty measure, and they shared a toast before humming with pleasure at the flavor. That was a fantastic cake, Gabriel told him. It's not much to look at, Billy added. It looks like it's wearing a toupee. Dean nearly snorted whiskey out of his nose at that. If dark chocolate is your thing, it's a good way to die, though. They moved on to Aaron, whose cake was topped with an assortment of chocolate candy and cookies. I took the milk chocolate candy-themed road to hell, Aaron said, cutting them a slice that contained as many different candy toppings as he could manage to cram into a cake. Are there M&Ms in here? Gabriel asked, and Aaron nodded. That makes for a fun, colorful surprise inside, Billy said while Aaron shrugged. They moved on to Cass's cake, which had shaved chocolate similar to Crowley's cake, but only around the sides. On top were a series of icing flourishes that Charlie had taught him to make at the bakery the previous week, topped with delicately fluted decorative white chocolate designs that Donna had showed him how to make. I chose to adorn it with wings, in hopes that if I should inadvertently cause someone's death, they'd be prepared to ascend to heaven, Cass said before Gabriel could get a comment out. Figures you'd go with the angel theme, Castiel. Cass narrowed his eyes at his cousin. You're one to talk, Gabriel. When Cass served them their sample slice, Dean made sure to snag the tiny set of chocolate wings for himself. That's really good, Cass. Thank you, Dean. I'll have to thank Charlie and Donna for teaching me a few things. Well, that sounds entirely fair, Crowley muttered under his breath as he rolled his eyes and turned his back on the proceedings. How many years have you spent hanging around my bakery, Crowley? You could have had private lessons if you'd asked, Dean replied. Crowley just shrugged. I don't need lessons as long as I've got money to pay you to do it for me. And that, folks, is the crux of the message I hope to get across with this show. Gabriel said, shooting finger guns and a saucy wink in Crowley's direction. Baking's great, but for the special occasions where you really want to wow folks, it's best left to the professionals. 
I'm still waiting for the opportunity to plan your wedding, Squirrel, Crowley said to Dean. That's also best left to the professionals, he added with a wistful glance in Cass's direction. Cass was declared the winner of round one, by virtue of the fact that his cherry-filled chocolate cake was the best tasting of the three. Jack took great pleasure in crowning his boss with the sparkly golden chef's hat, and then suddenly they were all breaking for lunch. Dean finally got to spend a few minutes in Castiel's company after feeling the loss of it all morning. He congratulated Cass on his win and complimented him on the new look as he gave the sparkly chef hat a prod. Cass blushed and pulled it off his head, but walked contentedly at Dean's side over to the lunch table. It kind of sucked that I couldn't run off to the coffee pot for a five-minute break all morning, he said as they selected their sandwiches. I probably shouldn't even be talking to you. Isn't that impropriety or some shit? Cass shrugged, and the two of them found a quiet corner to sit together while they ate. Crowley and Aaron cast them an occasional glance, but neither Dean nor Cass even noticed. All too soon, they were being called back to set, and round two began with Billy revealing their final challenge. It's easy to hide a multitude of sins beneath a well-applied drape of fondant, but when the cake itself is the main attraction, laid bare for God and everyone to see, it takes a lot of care to make a cake that can really shine on its own, she said with a considering glance at the three contestants. With that, she flung open the doors, revealing a naked cake decorated with only candy wildflowers and an array of berries. Your recipes are loaded at your stations, and it's up to you to choose how to bear your unfrosted cakes to the world, Gabriel said, waggling his eyebrows suggestively. You've got nothing to hide behind in this challenge, and you've got three hours to pull it off. The baking went by in a blur of fruit flavoring and experimentation with color. Billy and Gabriel carried most of the conversation, but Dean was on the edge of his seat, mesmerized every time Cass paused to taste-test his work. It got to the point where Dean was literally praying that Cass wouldn't swipe his finger through the buttercream and suck it clean again, because he wasn't sure he could take it much longer. He was also sure that Cass had caught the deer-in-headlights look on his face at some point, and was deliberately repeating the gesture at regular intervals, just to watch Dean's reaction grow steadily more pained. It seemed to bolster Cass's spirits, so Dean couldn't really object. Dean had been surprised every time Gabriel called out the time as the clock ticked down. Two hours left, then one hour. When Gabriel called out the 15-minute warning, Crowley's muttered curse finally drew Dean's attention away from the carefully constructed pink and purple tower that Cass had crafted. The rush was on for all of them to finish as quickly as possible, and he wasn't able to focus on much more than the general color schemes that Crowley and Aaron had chosen. This was definitely shaping up to be an interesting final round. All three bakers were still working as Gabriel counted down from ten seconds and the final buzzer sounded. Jody called cut as soon as they raised their hands and backed away from their cakes. Aaron still held a tiny pink icing flower between his fingers that hadn't made it onto his cake. Once again, the crew jumped into action, preparing all three cakes for judging and clearing away the worst of the mess from each of their kitchens. Jack stood in the wings cradling the final trophy in his arms and trying to get Cass's attention to give him a thumbs up of support. 
Gabriel slipped off stage for just a few seconds to deliver last-minute instructions for patients, who nodded grimly as Gabriel returned to the judge's table with a confident grin on his face. He gave Dean a hearty pat on the back as he took his seat and everyone else took their places. So, Crowley, tell us what you've baked, Gabriel said as Claire circled his towering purple monstrosity with her camera to capture it from every angle. It's a blackberry cake with berry-infused cream, he said. It's very purple, Dean replied, pointing out the obvious, to which Crowley rolled his eyes in the style of the long-suffering. You definitely picked a theme and stuck with it, Billy added, noting Crowley's monochromatic color scheme with the flowers and berries adorning the layers. But how does it taste? Gabriel asked, and Crowley cut and delivered a slice to the judges. It tastes very purple, Dean commented, setting down his fork. He's not lying, Gabriel agreed. There's not much to taste beyond the blackberry flavor. They moved on to Aaron's pink cake flavored with strawberries but decorated with whipped cream strawberries and an assortment of pink and blue candy flowers that made it look like it was crafted for a baby shower. It's adorable, Billy said and then tasted it. And you've got a great take on the strawberry shortcake going on here. That's what I was going for, Aaron said happily. It was finally Cass's turn, and Dean was not only allowed but encouraged to focus all his attention back on Cass. I chose to make a blueberry lemon angel food cake with raspberry cream. I saw you pureeing all those blueberries, and I was worried you weren't going to get your cake to bake to a good consistency, Billy said. But look at you go, stacking up those layers anyway. Nice work on the flowers, too, Gabriel added. Dean just smiled at him and encouraged him to serve his cake. Cass complied, stepping back and twisting his fingers into his apron as he watched the judges taste his creation. Wow, that really works, Dean said, taking another swipe of the raspberry whipped cream. Gabriel yanked the plate away from Dean and wrapped a protective arm around it while he continued to devour the cake. Dude, you know there's a whole cake over there. You can get another piece if you want, Dean said, giving Gabriel a dubious look as Gabriel just grinned up at him and took another bite. Cass looked torn between happiness and mortification at Gabriel's reaction, and Billy just sighed and rubbed her temples before announcing that, as the only impartial judge on the panel, she was declaring Cass the winner. Jack ran over without even being called and gleefully shoved the trophy into Cass's hands. Gabriel licked his plate clean and then thanked Billy for being the voice of reason. And since he's the producer and can't actually win a prize... We're donating today's grand prize to the charity Random Kindness, who will help us choose a deserving student at a local culinary school to complete their instructions on our nickel, which also means there's no money gun today. I hope you're not too disappointed, Castiel. I'm more than happy not to have to sweep up the winnings, yes. After Jody called cut for the final time, patients swooped in with the stacks of paperwork that Cass had always handled since he had to sign off on his own release forms this time around. Dean waited patiently as the crew came around to wish him well and lament the fact that they'd miss his daily treats. He thanked them in turn and promised he'd drop by and surprise them all with a box of cupcakes every once in a while. He shook hands with Crowley and Aaron as they left and then inched over toward where Cass, Patience, and Gabriel were huddled together in an intense conversation. Patience saw him coming and gave Cass a little nudge in his direction. 
Cass turned around, looking pleasantly surprised to find Dean apparently waiting just for him. Go get him, Gabriel said, giving Dean a little wave and Cass an indelicate shove toward Dean. Dean narrowed his eyes, wondering if their previous conversation had been about him. Cass turned back to cast a nervous glance at Patience and Gabriel, but Patience gave him a hearty thumbs up and began collecting her paperwork, while Gabriel gave him an encouraging wink. Cass sighed and squared his shoulders, walking over to Dean and giving him a tentative smile. Well, that was all entirely unexpected, Cass said after a moment of fidgeting. So you're not pissed that Gabriel shanghaied you into baking? Cass tilted his head to the side and frowned. Perhaps a bit. I wasn't prepared for that amount of work when I woke up this morning. I'm impressed that you do this every day. It's exhausting. Dean laughed. Yeah, you get used to it. I, uh, guess you're not feeling like cooking dinner tonight. So how about you let me cook for you? I mean, since the last day and all, I thought maybe... I'd love that, Cass replied without hesitation. Yeah, that's... Dean rubbed the back of his neck. That's good. I was worried you might not have time to hang out anymore now that you're probably moving on to some other show and all. Cass smiled and shook his head. We do have an option on your contract for another series, and I feel confident that the network would be amenable to going forward with that if you'd like to. But I'll always make time for you, Dean, no matter what happens next. Dean blinked up at him, stunned by Cass's calm and earnest sincerity. He just nodded as Cass smiled and let him out. Once again, Cass followed him to his apartment. Dean scoured his kitchen for something to make but after a few minutes they agreed they should just order a pizza and relax. They talked over a couple of beers, Cass relating his struggles in the kitchen while Dean alternatively gave him tips for the next time, laughed at his stories and just smiled and enjoyed listening to Cass talk. He realized that this was something he could definitely do more of, just hanging around at the end of a long day, chilling with Cass. The pizza came, they ate, and they still hadn't bothered turning on the TV or looking for a distraction. They just talked, laughed, and enjoyed each other's company. It was starting to get late, and Dean kept looking at the clock, knowing that they'd have to call it a night sooner than later. Dean had to work first thing in the morning, and he was sure Cass had to get into the office, too. He didn't want it to end, though. Cass may have said he wanted to continue their friendship, but Dean felt like the clock was ticking down on any real chance he'd ever have to let Cass know how much he'd grown to care for him. With a growing sense of urgency and the attendant racing heartbeat and sweaty palms that came along for the ride, Dean psyched himself up to lay his feelings out on the table. Go big or go home. Or in this case, stay home. Cass had been telling him about a prank Gabriel had pulled on him as a child, something about not stepping on a fish when Dean interrupted him. Cass, I just, uh, wanted you to know how much I appreciate getting to work with you, Dean said, cringing at his own words, and getting to know you. Cass blinked and then slowly smiled. I appreciate it too, Dean, more than you can know. Yeah, uh, Dean said and then cleared his throat. I kind of think I do know. I mean, I'd like to keep seeing you. Like this he added with a wave of his hand between them. I really like you, Cass. Uh, more than you can know. 
Cass's eyes went wide for a moment, and Dean was afraid he'd misread everything and frightened Cass off for good. He felt the flustered blush in his cheeks dial itself up to outright humiliation before Cass raised a tentative hand to his face, brushing a thumb over his burning cheek. Dean, I'd like that very much. Dean's breath caught in his throat and he nodded slowly so as not to dislodge Cass's fingertips. Would you mind if I kissed you? Cass swallowed hard, his expression morphing into something hovering between hope and heartbreak as he leaned in a little bit closer to look right into Dean's eyes. There's one thing you need to know first. It's vital. Dean braced himself for whatever earth-shattering bomb Cass was about to drop on him, holding Cass's gaze like his life depended on it. He nearly got lost in all the blue, and his entire world narrowed down to Cass's face, hit by a wave of vertigo as flashes of his nightmares clambered and screeched through his subconscious. Dean wanted so badly to squeeze his eyes shut and force that gut-churning memory away, but that would mean taking his eyes off Cass, and he just couldn't do that. So he waited and nodded. Cass reached up with his other hand, cradling Dean's face and pulling him even closer before whispering, No matter what happens next, I will always love you, Dean Winchester. And then Cass kissed him, and the world shattered.
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.